0: I am Ross Owens. I'm one of the administrative pastors here at Allegheny Center Alliance Church, and I am humbled, I am honored, and I am shaking in my boots to deliver God's word to you this morning. At the age of 14, myself and three of my friends, we were on our way home, and as we were approaching our house, all of a sudden, two cop cars pulled up, the police jumped out of their car, they drew their guns, and held me and my friends at gunpoint. After that, they frisked us, took us to the police station where we spent half the night explaining that we were not the guys who had assaulted a woman. So the woman ended up coming to the uh, police station, looked at us and said, he did not do anything. It made it very clear to the police officers that I was not one of the guys who assaulted her. Nevertheless, I was summoned to court and had to attend court and testify on my behalf that I was not the individual who assaulted this young woman. Fortunately, the young lady, she got up to testify on her behalf. She pointed to me and made it very clear to the judge and the jury and everyone in the courtroom that this young man, talking about me, had nothing to do with the assault. Fortunately, after that, I was released and continued on with my life. So that was in the ninth grade, as I was going into the ninth grade. Four years later, I graduate from high school, and I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do with my life. And my sister uh, was married to a young man who was in the military. So I said, yes, I will go serve my country. So I moved to Kentucky with them, stayed with them for a while, lived on campus, and made the determination that I am ready to fight for the freedom of this country. So I filled out the application, and I received a call saying, Mr. Owens, Your application to enter into the armed forces has been denied. You have a felony charge on your record. And I'm scratching my head like I have a felony charge. So I had to travel back to Pittsburgh, go to the court and find out why I had a felony charge on my record and have had it for the last four years. Was I was going through the process. The clerk let me know that someone deliberately put this charge on your record. Although it's clear that you had nothing to do with the crime, someone intentionally put on your record that you committed a felony. My heart sank. For the last five years, I have been living with a charge on my record that I didn't know existed, and I was charged with a felony crime that I did not commit. You best believe that the motive for that charge was to identify a young African-American living on a Hill District in poverty as a criminal who will not and should not amount to anything. Therefore, when we look at social justice issues, you best believe that those things are close to my heart. I am an advocate for social justice justice issues. Therefore, addressing them is something that is very, very important to me. And I have to confess that for a while, I went about it the wrong way. But during our study today, we're going to look at what God has to say about justice. And fortunately for us, he has a lot to say about it. Therefore, I entitled today's study simply, God's justice. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I do consider it an honor and a privilege to be called to such an important role to deliver your word. Heavenly Father, I ask that you empower me to say the right things, to do the right things, to give them exactly what you would have for me to give them. Holy Spirit, I ask that I fully decrease so you can increase Touch my heart, my tongue, my ears, my mouth. Touch everything that I have, Lord, and use me for your glory. Heavenly Father, I pray that everyone who is listening, both in the sanctuary and online, that you would open up their understanding to what you would have for them today. Lord, allow your word to be transformative. Allow it to make change and to open the hearts and the mind of your people. And as we study this, God, we give you and you alone all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we study God's word together, may the Lord be with you. Today's scripture is found in Psalms 146, beginning with verse number 5, and it reads, Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations." So Psalms 146 begins by reminding us that God is worthy to be praised. We can place our confidence in him and we are blessed when we look to him for both our help and our hope. Now verse 6 tells us that those things are possible because God has all power and is the creator and author of everything and he is forever faithful. He then goes on to show how God chooses to exercise his power and his faithfulness, which is by giving special attention and care to the immigrant, the widow, the poor, the marginalized, and the orphan. So what the writer is saying is God is worthy to be praised because God loves justice. Now, the definition and the idea of justice has taken many forms and can mean something different based off one's ethnicity and politics. But as followers of Jesus Christ, it's important to understand how God and his word defines justice, which is, justice is the means to make things right. See, in God's economy, there are two parts to this very simple definition, Part one, see, justice has a punitive connotation, and it's when someone is doing something illegal and or immoral, immorally wrong, they should be held accountable. And whenever there is no accountability, it is fair for us, especially for the people of God, to declare that justice was not served. See, part of God's love for justice is found in his desire to make sure every last one of us is treated fairly. But unfortunately, throughout Scripture and even in today's society, there's been and still remains one set of laws for the haves and another set for the have-nots. And we consistently see the marginalized, the poor, and the alien being held to one standard while the wealthy and those with means are held to a totally different set of rules. Family, that's not God's plan. As a matter of fact, he made it very clear in his word that that's not his plan. See, look, in Leviticus 24, 22, he says, You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native born. I am the Lord your God. In other words, no matter how much money one has and no matter what one's last name happens to be, if they do something that is illegal or morally wrong, they should be treated with the same standard as everyone else. They should, be, they should be punished and they should, and their punishment should fit the crime. Otherwise, justice was not served and the things that were wrong were not made right. So again, the first part of the word justice carries a, a punitive connotation. But interestingly enough, the second part of the word justice carries a more relational connotation. See, part two of the word justice is a relational term, and it means having a right relationship, watch this, with not only God, but also with one another. See, God recognizes that there are those who are poor, oppressed, without a home, a family, or a country, and have been pushed to the margins in our society. And justice is served and only served when we care for them and their needs, we live in relationship with them, and we create an environment where diverse groups of people can thrive and succeed. And see, justice is at the core of God's heart. And we see that all through Scripture where he talks about justice, he demands justice, and it's fair for us to say that justice is at the core of God's heart because it's part of his character. And since it's part of his character, it's not surprising to us that as we learn about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that justice is part of the character of Jesus. And we see that highlighted in the Bible. So let's look at Luke chapter 4, starting with verse number 14. Now, At this time, see, Jesus is making his way back to Galilee, and um, after a few teaching engagements, he continues north and heads to his hometown of Nazareth, and more than likely, he attends the synagogue that he grew up in. So while he's there, he's given a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he finds the scripture that we all know as Isaiah 60, 61, and he reads it almost like it's his inaugural speech into his ministry, his mission, and his gospel. And this is what he reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's So what Jesus is doing here is he's using the scriptures, he's using the word of God to identify the reason why he was sent as as God's only begotten son. And basically what he's saying is Jesus's mission is to preach the good news to the spiritually poor and whom Satan has imprisoned and deceived and to begin the process of freeing them from the oppression of sin. He says in Luke 19, I've come to to seek and to save those which are lost. As we can see through Scripture, Jesus came to do justice. And just as Jesus used the Scriptures to begin his ministry and identify his mission, as believers of Jesus Christ, we should do the exact same thing. Our testimony as believers should be the same when someone says, what is the purpose of a Christian? How do we declare and determine how a Christian should act? What we should be able to do is do the exact same thing Jesus did, go to the scripture to identify what our mission and our ministry is. And it's found in Micah 6, 8, and this is what it says. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good And what does the Lord require of you? Then he breaks it down into three different categories. The first one is we're to act justly. The next is we're supposed to love mercy. And finally, to walk humbly with our God. If anyone were to ask you, what are the attributes of a Christian? How believers should act? Take them to Micah 6, 8 actually encourage you to everyone go get that tattooed on your arm once you leave service today (laughs) make sure you memorize it because this is our calling card as believers but with that it's important to understand the context of the scripture because when taken out of context we claim that we're doing justice but we're really not so let's look at this when michael wrote these verses israel's southern kingdom which was judah had become totally corrupt The judges accepted bribes, the rulers oppressed the poor, the prophets led the people astray, and the priests were easily easily brought. So basically, the judges, the rulers, the priests, and the prophets, and these were the people who had means. They were exploiting, misleading, and oppressing the poor and the underserved. All the while, these same group of people, the judges, the rulers, the priests, and the prophets, they would faithfully bring their sacrifice to the Lord under the false impression that God would forget or worse, ignore their actions, and accept their worship. They thought that they can go out and oppress people during the week and they come have revival on Sunday. See, they believed that money could buy power and happiness— that they could oppress and ignore the poor, they could misrepresent God, and then show up on Sunday and sing, I am a friend of God. And so God sent the prophet Isaiah to let them know that those things that you're doing have consequences. So when the people heard that what they were doing with their sacrifices and their worship was not acceptable to God, they had the uh, intellect, to actually repent and say, okay, Micah, what does the Lord require of us? If what we're doing is wrong, then what should we do? And look, it's important that they did this because you had the judges. You had people who were, who were elected into their offices. You have preachers and priests and these prophets who were instrumented inside the church. And all the while, they're misrepresenting God because they were treating the people wrong. And Micah said to them, your job is to call them out whenever they do sin. Anytime these folks are oppressing people, anytime that they're ignoring the immigrant, anytime that they turn the blind eye to the poor and the orphan, I will not accept their worship. So, fortunately, the people said to Micah, What must we do in honor, in order to get right with God? So Micah stood before them. He said, The first thing you have to do is do justice. See, when someone is doing something illegal or morally wrong, hold them accountable regardless of their status. I don't care who they are. If they are sinning, our job as the body of Christ is to call sin a sin. It doesn't matter what their title is. It doesn't matter how big their church is. It doesn't matter how influential they are. If they are committing a sin, our job as the body of Christ is to call sin a sin and to hold them accountable and make sure that the punishment meets the crime. So as the body of believers, as the people who are influ- influential in the community, Michael let them know. That when you see people doing something illegal or morally wrong, hold them accountable. But then he also talked about the relational side. And he said, Our, your job is to take care of the immigrant, the alien, the widow, the poor, the marginalized, and the orphans. And then he went a little further when he talked about, when he talked to the priests and the prophets. He said, your job is to preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captive, introduce light to those in darkness, and help set free those who are oppressed. God made it very clear to the people of Judah that their worship without justice dishonors God. Doing justice is part of our calling as the body of believers, and it must be a priority in our life. God has called us, all of us, to focus on justice, use the Holy Spirit to do it, and do it in a manner that is honoring in his sight. And fortunately for us, he's given us examples. So, let's quickly look at the book of Job uh, chapter 29. See, here Job is lamenting to God about his current situation, and look how Job describes his life. He says in Job 29, 14, he says, I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was the eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I looked and looked, and I took up the cause of the stranger. See, Job is saying that he had a good, re- good reputation, and it wasn't because he was rich, but because he lived a, li- a life of righteousness and he did justice. See, he delivered the poor, the orphan, the widow, and he helped the sick and the injured. He fought against unrighteous oppressors, and he even took up the cause of the strangers. See, Job doesn't just stop there when he talks about what he was doing that was honoring in the sight of God, he actually takes it a little bit further. And look at what he says in Job 31. He says, If I have denied the desires of the poor and let the eyes of the widow grow weary, I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the fatherless, but from my youth I reared them as a father would. As from my birth I guided the widow... And if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing or the needy without garment, and their hearts did not bless me for warming them with the fleece from my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I had influence in court, look at what he says here, let my arm fall from my shoulder, let it be broken off at the joint, for I dreaded destruction from God. Job is saying from the time that he was a kid, he understood that because he had means, his job was to do justice. It was so important to Job that he said, Lord, if I'm doing anything that's not acceptable in your sight, if I'm not using the resources that you've given me, that you bless me with to do justice, even if I use my own arm, to harm the weak, the poor, the marginalized, the shut-in. If I use my own arm to disarm them, it would be better if someone ripped it from my joint. That would be much better than facing the judgment of God. Job had a clear understanding of his calling to do justice. And what did God have to say about that? All we got to do is turn to the first chapter. See, God describes Job to Satan, and, and, and this is what he says. He says to the accuser, he said, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. This is what he's saying about Job who does justice. He said he is blameless and he is upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And see, because of Job's commitment to justice, God calls him blameless. He calls him upright. He's a man who fears God and he shuns evil. But this is the crazy part. When the accuser came to accuse Job, God said, he is my servant. That's what we want to hear from God, that he doesn't look at us not just as his people, but he says he is my servant. Enemy, don't you touch him because he is my servant. People of God, when we do justice, God looks at us. He accepts us as one of his own and we are drawn closer to the heart of God. So let's go back to the book of Micah. So again, Micah tells the people of Judah who, was living in a corrupt, who were living in a corrupt nation, the first thing you do is you do justice. He said, the next thing you have to do is love mercy. Now, mercy can be defined in many ways. But in this case, the Hebrew word for mercy actually means loyal love and refers to reaching out to those in needs, which can mean their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their financial needs. And our job is to show love and care to them. See, the Lord wants us to give genuine compassion and mercy to people. So, in addition to us doing justice, God caused us to be loyal in our servant, our service to treat people the way that Christ treats them. And the Apostle Paul highlighted that in the book of Colossians, chapter 3. This is what he says. He says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should. And beyond all these things, or in addition to all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect unity. So what Paul is saying that as believers We must be kind to everyone. Now, look, this is the crazy part. The first part was you're supposed to do justice. And justice has two sides. It has a punitive side and it has a relational side. So the punitive side, if you remember, is to hold people accountable. The relational side is to make sure we live in communion with them. So although we are supposed to hold people accountable for their wrongs and for their sins, the Bible lets us know that we're still supposed to be loyal to our love for people and for God. So although they do something that is unjust, although we're supposed to hold them accountable, God calls us to still love them the way that Christ loves us. So yes, you're wrong. Yes, what you're doing is incorrect. Yes, what you've done is a sin. But when I love mercy, I am loyal to the love that God has shown me. And God is calling us not only to do justice, But in the midst of our doing, we should love mercy and be loyal to the love that God has shown us. So the first part was to do justice. The second part is to love mercy. And then he closes with this part. He said, our job is to walk humbly. Why? Because humility is a key indicator of your heart, not towards us, not toward one another, but your heart toward God. Why? Because God's people should always depend on God rather, their own, rather than their own abilities. And instead of us taking pride in what we do for others or what we bring to God, humility recognizes that there's nothing that I can do outside of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything I do, everything that I do right is because of God. This is so important to keep in mind as we do justice, because as we serve God's people, it's so easy for us to forget who should get the credit. And if we're not careful, we will not only give ourselves the credit, but we will expect others to give us the credit, and then we'll feel insulted when they don't. See, pride is an, ab- is an abomination to God. And it's because God understands pride's destructive capabilities because he saw what, he, what it did to Lucifer. It transformed him, transformed him from a beautiful angelic servant into a corrupt and evil enemy of God. And just as pride led to Lucifer's fall, if we are not careful, it can lead us to a fall and a destruction and we will be no good to God nor his people. So as we look at the life of Jesus and the mandate given through scripture, it is clear that Jesus's followers are called to do justice. We are called to confront evil, care for the vulnerable, and whenever possible to make right that which is wrong. And as a reminder, there are two sides to justice. There's the punitive side. And there's the relational side. And as believers, we must rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us in using both sides of the coin. But we got to remember, when Jesus used Isaiah 61 as his inaugural, inaugural speech, he was quoting that scripture and he made it very clear that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to set the prisoner free, to give attention to the least of these, to help the marginalized. But in Isaiah, the scripture continued and it said, and the day of the vengeance, the day of vengeance of our God. So when Jesus quoted Isaiah, he left off the part about vengeance. In his mission statement, in his ministry, in his gospel, He talked about the fact that we or that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, but he left off the year of vengeance of God. So the question is, why did Jesus find it fit to leave off the part about vengeance? I'm of the opinion that Jesus knew the purpose of his mission was not to deliver judgment, but to provide a ransom for all. See, Jesus understood that the root of injustice is sin. And it's God's job to just sin. It's not our job. We oftentimes get mad at the person when we should be getting mad at the sin. And we have to realize that people who are sinning, they are living in bondage. And our job in doing justice is is to help the people in bondage become free of sin. So when we hold people accountable, let's remember to love them because we're supposed to love mercy. But at the same time, we're supposed to find a way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them because sin is the root of all evil. So Jesus let us know that in his mission, in his ministry, there will be a day for judgment, but that's not why Jesus came. And as believers, there will be a day for judgment, but that's not why we do justice. We let God handle the judgment while we point people to Jesus Christ. So, yes, unfortunately, I had to go through the experience of systematic oppression and racism was something that I had to go through. And unfortunately, my children had to go through the same thing. My children have experienced firsthand racism and no one was held accountable. They've experienced some severe racism in school and nothing was done. But I realized that like Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, I am accompanied by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I am called and equipped to rise above man's oppression. I have to live on his word that if God before me, who could be against me? So yes, systematic oppression exists. Yes, racism exists. Yes, there are a number of social justice issues that we need to take up, but it's incumbent upon us as the body of Christ to do it in a God-honoring way. And when we do it, we should do it with the power of the Holy Spirit and according to God's justice and not man's justice. Why? Because God's justice is rooted in holiness and it's part of his character. And if in the name of justice I'm cussing people out, that's not holiness. If in the name of justice I'm accusing people and I want to see them get hurt or harmed, That's not God's justice. God's justice is holy. And when we do justice, it should be with the goal of reconciliation and pointing people to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So body of Christ, God calls us to do justice. Don't shy away from social justice issues. Just make sure your approach is grounded in God's holiness, that you're being led by the Holy Spirit And your goal is salvation and reconciliation. That is our mission as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you and we thank you. We thank you for your word and the examples that you have given us to do justice. Lord, we ask that social justice remains on the forefront of our mind and in our actions. But God empowers with the Holy Spirit so that we do it in a manner That is pleasing in your sight. Lord, help us to remember the root of sin. It is the accuser of the brethren, Satan. But Lord, he has no power over your believers. And we rebuke him in Jesus' name. So God, help us to stand firm on your word. Help us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly so that we can continue to run errands for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.